Hello, LineClick Nation. This is Ray DeLucci with the LineClick Thoughts Podcast. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Welcome back to another episode and Happy New Year. 2024 is here and I hope this year is full of growth, of success, and just it's a year that you all um, excel in uh, and just really enjoy and find a lot of happiness in. Always exciting to have a new year come around and I'm excited for the podcast. I'm excited for LineClick Thoughts as a whole and excited for you all. And I hope you keep up to date with me and keep me informed as to how the new year is going. I know after Christmas and New Year's Eve, a lot of you are probably relaxing, hopefully, or at least getting some rest. And so I think we have a very good podcast for you to listen to today. Before we begin, just a friendly reminder that every Monday I put out the Line Cook Thoughts newsletter called Prep List Items. You can go to linecookthoughts.com, put in your email, and hit subscribe. It's at the top of the page. And you'll get a newsletter every week. This week, you know, sharing a blog that I really enjoy reading every New Year's, uh, a new uh, product launched by Samsung about an AI fridge that gives recipes based on what is in the fridge, and another story you can find if you were subscribed to the, to the newsletter. So check that out and uh, go to linecookthoughts.com to subscribe. Also, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave a review. It lets me get some traction, lets me know how you like the show, and lets other people uh, know that this podcast is worth listening to. So make sure you leave a review. My guest today is someone who I've been uh, in talks to uh, record with for a while, so I'm happy he was on the show. It is uh, Michael Penny. Uh, He is the founder of Brooklyn Pasta Lab, which was established in 2017, and Michael has been a chef in New York City for over a decade. Michael has worked in New York City's top restaurants, including 11 Madison Park, the Nomad Hotel, Bettany, as well as the famous Bruno e Franco, La Salumaria in Bologna, Italy. Brooklyn Pasta Lab produces premium fresh pasta for top restaurants in New York City, saving chefs time and money so they can focus on running their kitchens more efficiently. I'll have a link in the description of the episode of his website, but you can go to visit uh, www.brooklynpastalab.com. You can visit that page. That's www.brooklynpastalab.com to check out his page. In this, we talk about how Michael kind of got into creating his own company. I really find it fascinating when people go from restaurants uh, to basically uh, another venture. And his whole business has been into now shaping into a business where he makes fresh pasta for restaurants in New York City. It's very interesting to see that, that wholesale side of things. And it's very, um, I just found it very informative to see how he's grown his business and gotten more and more restaurant clients uh, in the New York City area. So if you're in New York, please check him out. Um, and just want to say thanks to Michael for coming on the show and for recording the podcast with me in the holiday season and glad we got to put it up. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for Michael for being a great guest. Hope you all listen to, um, or hope you get a lot from listening to the podcast and I hope you uh, check out Brooklyn Pasta Lab. Here we go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Awesome. Cool. Well, welcome to the podcast. If you'd like to start off by introducing yourself, that'd be great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so my name is Michael Pini. Um, I'm Italian-American, born in Brooklyn, New York, raised out on Long Island. 
Um, and then, uh, yeah, I've, I've been in restaurants for uh, 15 years, I'd say, by now. And uh, I own a company called Brooklyn Pasta Lab, where we um, supply fresh pasta for restaurants in Brooklyn and Manhattan. Uh, and yeah, um, kind of started that during the pandemic and kind of took it off from there. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're definitely going to get into Brooklyn Pasta Lab. Uh, but share with me kind of for you, food-wise, how did you get into the industry? What's your background um, in that sense? Yeah, yeah. So like I said, uh, my parents, they were from Italy. They came, uh, my mom came when she was five. My dad came when he was about 20, 21. Both came to Brooklyn, met, had me. <laughs> uh, and then, like I said, I was born in Brooklyn. And uh, when I was like three, three or four, moved out to Long Island and um, kind of grew up there. And luckily, the school that I was in, um, the high school, they, they had this program where basically the last two years of high school, you could um, choose to either go to this like vocational school where they mm. had, you know, cooking, carpentry, uh, photography, a, a bunch of different like professions that you can choose. And basically, I chose to do cooking, and uh, half the day I would go to the school, and the other half of the day I would just be in high school and uh, do like the basic classes. Um, so that's that's where I would say it really started, like you know, taking it serious. But I, I always start, was cooking with my mom in the kitchen, my grand my grandmother. Uh, nice. We always cooked all the time, <laughs> uh, you know, like the classic. Italian uh, home cooked meals. Um, yeah, but no, yeah, we kind of yeah, had a yeah. similar so, uh, similar start. I also went to vocational school in New York State. I'm oh, from cool. Buffalo, but um, yeah, oh, cool, so I did the two years and whatnot. So yeah, definitely, definitely close, uh, close beginnings for us there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so I was doing that, and um, right when I started, it was like junior year. Right when I started. Um, the first year of the cooking uh, school, I actually started working in this restaurant uh, kind of nearby my hometown. And it was like an Italian restaurant, very like kind of cheesy, you know, old school Italian stuff. Uh, one of the chefs that I I was in school with, he like recommended, he's like, oh, why don't you just do like a little internship thing there? And literally like the first day, um, my mom dropped me off. I was like 14. Uh, my mom dropped me off after school, did the service, just like helped out, whatever. And um, yeah, then when she picked me back up, she was like, oh, uh, there's this restaurant in Brooklyn um, that one of my dad's friends uh, is like friends with the owner. And they also happen to have like a Michelin star. And I was like, she was like, oh, why don't you go check it out? And it was literally like, the, the night she picked me up from the first shift at this restaurant. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, then I'd, I'd say a couple weekends later, I went out with my dad and his friend and they kind of like introduced me to the chef and, um, the restaurant was called Dressler. It was in Brooklyn. It's okay. closed now. Um, but it was actually one of like the first, uh, Michelin star, uh, restaurants in Brooklyn. They had one huh. Michelin star. And, uh, yeah, it's like right across the street from Peter Luger. So they both had their Michelin star. Um, 
And yeah, basically I sort of just had a little tasting menu there with my dad and my dad's friend and he introduced me to the chef and then kind of just spoke to him for a little bit and then set up like a little, you know, internship on the weekends. Like on Saturdays, I would go there and, uh, you know, just work like a prep shift. And it was, that was really when I, you know, got my first taste into like a legit kitchen. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, definitely. And, and I know from there. looking at your background on your website, um, you know, mentioning you worked at 11 Madison Park, Nomad Hotel, Bettany, mm-hmm. and then uh, Bruno yeah. E. Franco in uh, Bologna, yeah. Italy. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so pretty extensive experiences. We don't have to go through all of them because I definitely want to get to your company, but are there any highlights yeah. or anything you take, took away from a, your more uh, fine dining experience that you've had in your career? Yeah, so I guess for me, um, so like I was saying, that first restaurant, Dressler, that was like pretty fine dining, like kind of like a romantic restaurant, really dark, um, kind of like French-ish food, but with like this like new American, it was around that time when that like new American was like (laughs) starting to like come up and stuff. Um, So yeah. There was that, and then like like you were saying, uh, I worked at a couple other places in Brooklyn, and then um, Bettany, which was like my first real like fine dining like kitchen, and that was crazy. Like it was like you, you know, crazy hours. Um, we were doing everything, all the way from you know setting up the kitchen in the morning to like literally cleaning the hoods, um, all the way to like two a.m. and <laughs> those days were like pretty crazy and i'd say after bettany i kind of wanted to still stay in a nice restaurant but kind of take it easy a little bit um so then i went to the nomad which was like a really perfect um you know balance between like that fine dining and like really busy restaurant um but still being like you know a good culture Mm -hmm. and you weren't getting like yelled at like 24 7 (laughs) um and then from the Nomad, I actually went to, um, I got this, I got this uh, grant, this mentor. I don't know if you know much about it. It's like the mentor BKB. Mm-hmm. They did like this grant. A grant uh, for so you I got, guys like overseas and trained in other kitchens, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So because I was working at the Nomad, a lot of the chefs there knew, you know, um, a lot of people in the foundation. So they were like, oh, why don't you just like apply? I had to like write this essay and everything. Yeah. So I got accepted and I actually went to Favikin in Sweden okay. for three yep. months. Yeah. So it was like really different than than what I was doing. Um, it was still like kind of fine dining, but, you know, pretty different. Uh, the food there was really interesting. And um, I actually didn't really get to do a lot of cooking there as like a stagiaire since I was just there for like three months. Yeah. You do a lot of like, you know all the prep stuff with um, preparing that and everything, setting up the station for the chefs. Um, And I think it was like, a. honestly, I really think it was like at that point, I was like, I don't know if fine dining is really what I want to, you know, stick to because it was just, I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) You know, it was a really good experience. I met a lot of people that were really, really, really cool. And um, 
but I just remember this one point, like literally like in the walk and like peeling all the leaves off this bro- these Brussels sprouts, like for this dish. And, uh, and like, we had to do it in the walk-in. Yeah. Not sure why, but we had to. <laughs> um, and we had like our jackets on like doing it for hours. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> um, was I think it, at that point I really realized. Was it like the smaller yeah. tasks that, like if, when I think back of looking in fine dining and um, like staging and whatnot, for a long time I wanted to work at Michelin restaurants. And then over the mm-hmm. years I was like, well, I want to do more business management, business development, recipe work, stuff like that which I kind of leaned into uh, during COVID. Um, even like before COVID, yeah. I instead of working in a Michelin restaurant, I went and did a management program with a restaurant group. That being said, I remember I hit a, like a point where I was at a, my one of my restaurants I was working at. And I was just like, yeah, like I just kind of want to manage more um, and like be able, like just be able to do a little bit more in regards to like learning about the business and whatnot. Was that kind of mm-hmm. what drew you to do that? Or what, what was that point for you? I mean, you said the Brussels sprouts, you realize it, but what was it that was making you want to experience something different? Yeah, so I think... I think like the my whole like cooking career in restaurants, I I kind of felt like I was trying to experience a bunch of different type of restaurants. So starting from like the first one where you know that was like semi fine dining, and then um, I went to this really small restaurant in Brooklyn called Battersby, and I knew like everything that was going on in the restaurant like mm. all the time, uh, and then like working in Bethany and then the Nomad, which was like a giant hotel. It was like room service, you know, it's just like getting all these different types of experiences, um, even doing the thing in Pavakin. And even after that, I was like at EMP and then I was always like just searching for what kind of style of restaurant do I like working in the most? And, um, and after that, after LMS Madison Park, I went to um, this restaurant in Brooklyn that was like a all day sort of like cafe place it was called uh, norman they're closed now um and then i went to work at a bakery called bien qui here for like six six months or so so i was like just trying to like you know get as much ex- ex- as much as as much experience as i can yeah trying out different places and then um when i was a sous chef at norman this this all day restaurant uh, mm-hmm. i was working in the morning and we would do like a bunch of it was really simple food like basic stuff like egg sandwiches all the way to yeah. like, a tasting menu at night um wow. but but yeah i was a sous chef there that was like the first time i was a sous chef and then i started really thinking like okay what do i want to do you know what i mean and um at that point i've already done a little bit of pasta stuff um I spent a little bit of time in Italy uh, learning how to make pasta, like you were saying, at, um, mm-hmm. in, in Bologna. And uh, I always had like this little thing in the back of my head, like, oh, it'd be really cool to like do something with pasta. I didn't know exactly mm-hmm. what. Um, but yeah, it, for me, it was really just like trying to find what style of restaurant. It wasn't really much about business stuff like you were saying. But yeah. now it's like very much <laughs> that and like that um, almost even interests me more than the cooking itself. Um, I do a lot less cooking now also. Um, okay. But 
but yeah, like, like I was saying, I think I was really just trying to figure out like what kind of restaurant <laughs> do I like working in the most. And the last restaurant that I worked in, I think was probably like the type that I would have probably stayed in if the pandemic didn't even happen. I don't even know, uh, which yeah. was this restaurant called Clover Hill in Brooklyn. Um, okay. I was a sous chef there. We opened for a couple months and then the pandemic hit and we basically closed, <laughs> unfortunately. But thank God they were able to reopen afterwards. And actually a friend of mine, his name is Charlie. He's the chef there. He, he got a Michelin star once they reopened. Um, nice. But yeah, so like, I think that was like the perfect style of restaurant I would like to be in. But once the pandemic hit, um, I basically just stopped <laughs> and then kind of just started to take the pasta business a lot more serious. I was always okay. doing, not always, but even back when I was like at, at Elementum Park, I would, I would, um, make these like pasta kits, which is basically what Brooklyn Pasta Lab was in the beginning. We would make these pasta kits, which was like pasta, sauce, cheese, bread, mm-hmm. and just like deliver it to people like even in the neighborhood. Um, and I was doing that just like every once in a while. It wasn't like a real, real thing, but you know, like I made the Instagram page and like eventually like, uh, started the actual corporation and, you know, slowly like, all right, let's, let's see what I can do here. And then once Clover Hill closed because of the pandemic, Mm um, I kind of just like went for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you were kind of doing how many, I mean, was it a, by how many per week order or was it just like once in a blue moon you would do that when you were at the restaurants? Yeah. Or? Yeah. When, when I was at the restaurants, it was just like once in a blue moon. Um, okay. It was just like some people that I knew around the neighborhood I would like deliver to them. And um, yeah, it was just, it was mostly like just for fun. I came up with the idea like when I was in Bologna once, I was just like hmm. sitting in bed. I was like, damn, that'd be really cool to like, we would always make these kits in restaurants, like to set up your station and, and whatever. Yeah. And I always thought it was really cool if like, you know, you deliver like fresh pasta and like a little thing of sauce. I mean, it's so simple, but um, yeah. it's really, really tasty. And, you know, a little cheese and whatever. And then a little, some instructions, just how to do it. And people really liked it. So once the, restaurant closed the pandemic hit and everything um i didn't really do much for a couple months <laughs> um and then i just posted a menu on instagram said all right we're making these it was like a really small menu a couple yeah. dishes um we're making these dishes get your order in by whatever and uh slowly just got some orders then I did it for the next week and then the next week and then the next week. And then all of a sudden I'd say like, maybe like a month later, it was like mother's day. Mm-hmm. And my wife was like, uh, you know, you have to do like a, a thing for mother's day. So like, I was like, ah, oh, damn. Okay. So then we did like a whole like lasagna thing for like, for, for eight people. And we sold like a bunch of them and I was like nice. driving around all over delivering these lasagnas <laughs> and then I just kind of just kept doing that honestly uh just did like a weekly menu and um 
we just like delivered locally and it was literally just me me and my wife would like drive around delivering stuff during covid and so um, what kind of pastas are these that you were are they extruded or what where were yeah, the so I started, yeah so i started i started by rolling everything by hand with the mattarello that's like how i learned to do it in bologna and uh that, can you, that can was you something... explain that the oh yeah, what yeah you just said yeah yeah so really classic technique of rolling pasta in italy specifically in bologna in amelia romagna is uh making a fresh egg dough which is um made with double zero flour typically and whole eggs and making it by hand and then rolling it out with a mattarello which is uh just like a really long italian rolling pin okay and when you roll the pasta out with a rolling pin like that you're able to roll out dough that has a really high hydration compared to for example extruded pasta which is like yeah. really low hydration um for example extruded pasta is like 30 percent water um to 100 percent flour and when you're rolling out pasta with the mozzarella, you're able to roll out pasta that has like a hydration of like 61 62%. So what happens is when you knead the dough at such a high hydration, you're able to like capture all these air pockets in the dough and um it becomes like really soft but strong and when you roll it out with the mozzarella, it's really nice because the pressure that you apply while you're rolling is a lot lighter than you would if you were to like roll through a machine like a sheeter mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of hard to explain like it all sounds cool but once you actually do it yourself it's really really cool like when you're rolling out the sheet or they call it sfoglia in um in, in italy um when you're rolling out the sfoglia uh you can really see like air pockets like on the sheet of hmm. pasta it's really really cool so when you when you cook it once you cut it into let's say tagliatelle um and you cook it you just end up with this pasta that's less dense than like a machine rolled pasta yeah um, and it's like really light and has a just just a nice texture but after you know doing it for quite some time I'm not like one of those people that that's like, oh, you can only like roll out pasta like that or yeah. because I did do that. Like I literally did that in the beginning. I would roll out all this pasta and I'm like, this is first off, it's crazy. Like it's too busy to do that. Yeah. And um, I just like, you know, I started to understand it. Like, yes, more hydration, more air pockets in the dough. And then you, you're rolling it out with light pressure you get this lighter dough, li lighter sheet of pasta. Mm -hmm. So I just tried to take that same concept and, you know, all right, how can we do this same-ish technique and do it with the machine? So, you know, you just try to like gently roll the pasta and, and not like laminating it like you see a lot of people do. Um, yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, you just get a different texture in the end. And um, it's just like, it's just unique, you know? It's just mm -hmm. a different texture. It's a unique um, style. 
of pasta. And um, that's something that like I really focused on when I would be doing these kits, uh, making like, for example, like you were saying, what kind of pasta we make. We would make like tagliatelle or pappardelle. Um, it was literally like three pastas I would make or like a filled pasta, like a tortellini. What um? And, what's the amount? What are the quantities you were doing? Like when you were busy during the pandemic, how much were you making? By yeah, hand? in the beginning, it wasn't. It wasn't like crazy, honestly. In the beginning, it was like maybe I would deliver to like fifty. I don't know, thirty to fifty homes a week. It wasn't. It wasn't too crazy. It's still a good but amount of work, started, though. Fifty pounds of because what is one kit? What was that like three pounds? Uh, okay, no, okay, it was like. It was like 300 grams, so almost a pound. Uh, it, it would serve like two people generously. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, it was a lot. Like I had, <laughs> I had like the wooden tabletop in my apartment, like rolling out the pasta. Uh, there was flour everywhere. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it was just the way to get started. And I feel like if you're, you know, trying to start something, you just got to start it, <laughs> you yeah. know, especially if you, if you have to do it in your apartment, you do it. Um, so then you move to machinery. So Are you still in your apartment or do you have a dedicated yeah. space now? Oh, uh, no, no, no. We have, so that September, so May was, May was um, that mother's day that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And then I would say October, we, we got a space and um it took a little bit of time to get like permits and everything but yeah we got a space and we started um you know doing everything out of there and you are you we renting still... the space at this time so we actually it's it was interesting we actually bought this um space in long island okay and so it's like 40 minutes from brooklyn uh so we're doing all of our production there we still do all all of our production there right now nice. um and yeah it was it was just like timing and everything during the pandemic with, that's probably a good know, time to estate. buy a yeah exactly yeah. um so that's why i asked because i was like i'm he could be renting but it probably would have been a good time to buy if you were able to so yeah yeah so i was fortunate enough to you know get that space and took a while with all these permits and everything but we finally finally did it and um yeah we just kept doing these kits at home mm -hmm. and then i was like how can we like get more you know how, how can we scale it and, and and um uh i thought of basically a way that we can ship nationwide where we would make everything um package it in certain containers and then mm -hmm. um we would have these styrofoam boxes and ice and everything and we would ship nationwide uh and we did that for so we, it's 2020 yeah so i would say we did like each one for like a year so i did the delivering it myself for like a year year and a half and yeah. then i did the then i switched that to the shipping of it um and then we did that, and at the same time, uh, I had a friend of mine that I used to work with. He was at a restaurant here in the city, 
and he was like hey do you do wholesale and I was like no like I don't want to do wholesale like I don't want to do this I want to like focus on my 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 kits and things like that you know uh like direct to consumer and he just like kept on asking me and asking me and I'm like okay sure so once a week I would just like bring a bunch of pasta to him it wasn't it wasn't too much it was like I don't know something 50 ish pounds a week they would like Mm. portion out and then store it in their freezer okay um did that for a couple months and they're like oh we're um we're opening up another restaurant can you do it i was like okay sure (laughs) so i was still doing i was doing those two restaurants and then Mm. also doing the nationwide shipping and that was going well uh but then i started to realize that like oh wow this wholesale thing is a lot more you know it just makes it makes a lot more sense there's a lot yeah a lot less moving parts it's literally just dropping off from the like business in, yeah even just inventory wise it's like flour and eggs yeah <laughs> and like water <laughs> um yeah. rather than like you know having to cook all these sauces cheese bread um mm-hmm. pasta all the packaging so, um, yeah, I would say like uh, about like six months ago, we sort of made the transition to just doing wholesale. Yeah. And we had like five restaurants we were doing. We were, we were doing the nationwide and then we had like five restaurants at that yep. time. And that was like six months ago. And now we have about like, 25 to 30 restaurants that we service per week so we just just do wholesale now except we're going to be doing like once a month just like just fresh pasta by the pound that will ship nationwide because i do have some people asking about it it's like a um, website you know pasta market to get fresh pasta exactly yeah just like hey this is the these are the shapes this is like the month this is like the one day of the month that we're shipping. Get your order in, and then and then we'll ship. Nice. Um, so for and, if you don't mind me asking, yeah. going into the um, wholesale, how did you? So you had the two the first client with two restaurants. How did word start spreading? Five restaurants up to almost thirty now. How did that start spreading around? Yeah. So so they had these two Italian restaurants. Well, they had the one, and then mm. they opened up the other, the other one. And that same restaurant group had these three other restaurants that were, um, it's actually like an Asian concept and, uh, they needed like lo mein, which is basically like pasta. (laughs) So, uh, that's the five restaurants right there. And then basically I just started reaching out to, everybody that i knew um and you know just also during this whole time i'm just like trying to learn as much as i can about you know the business side of stuff you know um how to get leads like how to get new customers and all all things like that um so it's just like you know reaching out to everybody that i know doing social media stuff um posting and things like that literally DMing like chefs and uh, restaurants pages on Instagrams and yeah. 
you, you'd be surprised. Like literally <laughs> a lot of them do not answer, but some are like, okay, yeah, send me the list, send them the wholesale list. And then, um, bring samples and then we just talk and figure it out and kind of just it literally just is like one at a time at first and then uh like the other day i just brought some samples to a restaurant in the upper east side and the chef called me back a couple days later and he's like oh uh i didn't taste the samples yet because i'm waiting for i'm bringing a bunch of my chef friends together and we're all going to taste it I'm like, okay. And then they all tasted it. And like now three of them from that group want to uh, start to sign on with us. Um, so like, it's really just like, it's kind of like a mix. I, I don't have uh, one thing, like one exact like reason why um, it's kind of been spreading, but it's, it's just a mix of like, you know, people telling people, uh, yeah. me reaching out. It's a lot of, Honestly, it's a lot of like me reaching out, like literally like cold DMing <laughs> chefs <laughs> and, and like, it's, it's like a, it's a good product and it's a really good service too. Like we, um, you know, we, we deliver twice a week currently. I want to add another day in the future, but yeah, right now we just deliver twice a week and it works out really well for, for the chefs and it saves them a bunch of time and like all i'm hearing from these guys are like oh labor 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 like yeah it's a lot of labor on their end and even if they don't let's say switch over their, like their whole menu to us mm -hmm. maybe they just get you know 50 percent um, couple shapes of, the, of their shapes from us and oh, yeah. well, like, do you find more extruded than fresh like handmade uh yeah yeah um it's a lot of extruded so and yeah. i, I kind of push that because Try a gap a lot of uh, restaurants have because they don't, they might not mm -hmm. have an extruding machine or it might take a little bit longer. Yeah, exactly. So, like, finding like, oh, fresh, uh, just a bunch of different fresh shapes um, that are extruded. Uh, a lot of, a lot of restaurants don't have extruders. And um, if they do want to get one, some of them just like don't even want to mess around with it. They're just like, give me the stuff. <laughs> um, yep. Like, I have, I had one client he's just like i'm tired of making it and um it's just really hard to train people and then for some reason like they leave or or yeah. something training the next person it, there's a lot it's of it's almost a full-time job for a restaurant sometimes if you're making fresh pasta like yeah. that's a prep cook like that's one person exactly that's like a so. full-time yeah exactly yeah i was speaking with another chef the other day he was telling me that um like all right, if we sign on with you, you know, they get, not that they get rid of two prep people, but they can, you know, reallocate their somewhere else, time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that's like but, 80 hours a week that they were spending. Uh, and, and it's a lot. Like, yeah. See that point real quick. It's also interesting how the um, National Restaurant Association just put out job reporting for November. And while we're, for the food industry as mm -hmm. a whole, is back to pre-pandemic levels full service restaurants are down over 200,000 workers still so they've been allocated into different like regions so it is yeah. i mean yeah i mean it's probably wow. much needed for the businesses you're serving so yeah wow that's crazy but yeah it's it's a mixed thing it's like labor 
it's also you know just convenient for the chefs um a lot of them also don't have a lot of space um yeah and yeah it's just thank god it's been working out and um that's why i've just been all right focusing on that um and congrats on the growth that's awesome yeah thank you thank you what um for i'm curious so obviously starting to ship we'll go into shapes and what you make now in a second obviously it'll vary by Mm -hmm. restaurant but uh sampling wise i mean you bring these pastas in and is there a recommended way for the chefs to sample them or has there been a way that you found gets the best um i guess sold amount of like people on board like like how do you recommend them sample the pasta yeah so um i'm sure they all have their ways of cooking pasta but exactly yeah i know and and it's (laughs) it's funny everybody everyone's like so particular too um but but basically i'll take a look at their menu or they'll just tell me like what they're interested in and i'll just literally give them what they're already serving and uh then they'll taste it and and see see how it see how it holds up um Mm. also our egg pastas so like our rolled pastas yeah um it's made with uh a flour from like the north of italy Mm. Uh, it's from a mill called molino passini and their double zero flour for some reason it's just like stays super super vibrant like the the yellow color a, a lot of times you'll see a lot of pasta dough start to turn gray even yeah. over like literally like one day but this really holds up like super well and it's really really nice um so a lot of them are like super surprised sometimes with that like wow it, I, I tell them like let it sit in the in, in the walk for a couple of days like see how you like it after a couple of days you know mm-hmm. uh, see how it holds up for you because you, you know everybody's walking is different humidity um yep. temperature <laughs> uh and then also some chefs like to either just portion it all up and freeze it um it's it's really up to the chef and also the amount of space that they have as well um, yeah but yeah it's it's really just me going in there bringing them what they typically already have on the me- on their menu and if they're interested in some other stuff I definitely bring that. Um, and yeah, we kind of just go from there. Um, sometimes there's a little like, oh, can you do, can you make this spaghetti like longer or something? I'm like very open to, uh, you know, to working with them how how they want the pasta to be. Um yeah, you mentioned lo mein so earlier. I, Obviously, that's a one-off. What are some of the shapes that you really yeah, that are requested a lot? Um, a, a lot of people actually ask for filled pastas, but that's something that I'm not. We don't offer any filled pastas, and I'm mm. not really planning on doing that anytime soon because it's a whole nother like ball game. It's, I'm just trying to like really focus food on safety, right? Yeah, it's and also the production on our end yeah yeah consistency and then delivering it too Mm -hmm. um keeping it like cold where it doesn't like start to um get all like mushy and stuff so Mm -hmm. it's that stuff's tough but um yeah a lot of times it's just like no we don't i don't do any filled pastas and, and they're fine with it um but we do focus on extruded pastas okay mostly like 
spaghetti linguine, um, rigatoni, fusilli, fusilli calabrese, um, bucatini, mafaldina. Yeah, we have a bunch of different shapes. Um, nice. Pacchetti. Yeah, and then I, I do offer, uh, we have some rolled shapes as well. Um, actually, when I was trying to figure out, like, ah, I was like, damn, I'm going to have to make, like, literally 100 pounds of pappardelle with, <laughs> with like, an egg dough. Like, how yeah. am I going to roll that out? So I figured out a way to do it with, um, you know, like a, a sheeter, like people would use yeah. like in a bakery they would use for like like the reversible sheeter that goes back and forth yeah um so yeah i've never seen anybody roll out pasta with that but it works out really really well <laughs> uh it's really really cool yeah so i got one of those and uh it's cool yeah that really helps a lot it it's really cool because as you kind of grow especially because we do a lot of extruded pastas it's just like all right we need another extruder or we need just like a bigger one or you know what yeah. i mean so actually as you get busier it actually that production side of things kind of gets a little easier um it flows a little, your time investment and in setting all that up is still the same whether it's one i mean slightly more yeah. with each extruder but there's still a time investment mm-hmm. in setting up making ingredients washing down and all that so once you get exactly. into the groove yeah. of things you want to just keep making more yeah exactly and then once you're also able to order more flour you get better pricing and, that, yeah, yeah. So like, is it just you making it now or do you have any employees? Yeah. So right now it's actually still me doing all the pasta and I'm able to do that because of the machines. Like it's a lot like today, this morning, we just made like 500 pounds of pasta and it was a lot. (laughs) You work seven uh, days a week. So I, in my head, I basically work all the time, but yeah. yeah, so we do, uh, I do like Monday, Monday, Tuesday. So Monday mm-hmm. is production and then Tuesday is um, delivery. Like yeah. We also do some production and then delivery. I have delivery drivers. Um, so that that's like a huge thing that saves me a ton of time. Um, yeah. in, in the beginning when I was doing like those five restaurants, I was delivering it. But uh, yeah. I have these drivers now and that is like literally a lifesaver. <laughs> um, yeah, it saves a ton of time so I can just focus on, you know, making the pasta and also just getting new customers. Um, so it's like Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, it's like I do a lot of like computer stuff. And then yeah. uh, Thursday, Friday is the same as Monday, Tuesday. It's like production and delivery. Okay. Um, ideally, I want to add another delivery day just because it'd be, you know, it's just like a, it's just better for the chefs, you know? Mm-hmm. So just trying to get some more clients. And then once I kind of hit this threshold, I'll definitely, I'll definitely add that. And yeah, it will just be, it'll be better for the chefs. Um, and then this way, you know, I'm right now I'm looking for somebody to help with production. Uh, but that's like a part-time thing. Cause we do only do production like, two-ish two three-ish four days yeah uh, a week so it's kind of like a part-time thing but that's why i do want to eventually get it to like another day so then it's like hey we can get like full-time you know dedicated team yeah but right now it's like just manageable (laughs) 
Uh, I actually ordered another pasta extruder the other day, so that should be Ooh. coming in like a month or so. Yeah. So things Sounds are good. going well, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, it's good to hear, man. Um, yeah, it's really awesome. And the reason why I have, wanted to have you on the show, that's why you're transitioning to hotel. I think it's really cool mm-hmm. that, you know, your experience and kind of seeing everything going on. Have you been able to go to one of these restaurants, sit down and enjoy a plate of your own pasta? Yeah, I'm actually going. I haven't actually yet, but I'm going. A friend of mine is coming in, um, I think next week. And we're going to one of the restaurants, checking it out. I think it'll be good, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing the story on that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What, um, for yourself, like looking forward to the future, I mean, are you kind of at your limit on what you can do? Or do you have room where, if you're like, what, like, do you still have like 20, 30% more that you could take on before you want to like maybe bring someone on? Or are you doing pretty well? Just doing it yourself right now. Uh, no, I want to really, because I mean. I know you mentioned yeah. earlier, like growing it, but like if there was a timeline for, or a goal for yourself, would that be sooner or later? Yeah, I mean, uh, as soon as possible, getting a pasta production person. <laughs> I have like an ad out right now on culinary agents. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm trying to get that. Like, it's a little crazy right now with, you know, the holidays and everything. But yeah, hoping, you know, January we get someone in and start training them up and um my my plan is literally to just you know get someone in there teach them also do it with them and then with that time that i the time that i get back just do a lot more um you know reaching out Mm -hmm. content um just doing whatever i can do to market and advertise Okay. basically because well, um, i'm just seeing how yeah no just a quick note on the um if anyone's in the new york city market obviously but but you yeah, know yeah. but also um I'll, I'll off the podcast i'll send you a use first jobs they they sponsor the newsletter um and they're oh, cool. in new york city as well and they they have a good reach but anyway you were saying sorry i didn't mean to oh, nice. off there uh what was i saying <laughs> um future plans yes instagram content. yeah so yeah all that i just basically want to get back my time to just focus on you know growing the the clientele and um you know i'm getting really good feedback thankfully from all these chefs and i really think it could be you know something uh pretty pretty big and um you know i think it just takes time but uh like i said Hopefully in January we get somebody <laughs> to start helping me out, and then we take it from there. Cool, awesome, man. Yeah. What um What is your favorite pasta shape? Hmm. Yeah, I really like tagliatelle. I mean, I like a lot of different. Shapes, I kind of guessed that I, you were going to say that. I don't know why. I had yeah, a you've mentioned I, it a couple of times, so I mean, it was like maybe he, well, yeah. he has a thing for tagliatelle. So yeah, I, I think. Maybe just because, um, like my time in Bologna, yeah, and like I feel like whenever I think of rolling out pasta, it's just like okay, we're gonna roll up a sheet of pasta and we're just gonna cut it <laughs> into mm-hmm. a tag, and uh, it's just like that's what I always like think of. Um, yeah, but 
another shape that I maybe it's a little underrated, but um, that I really love is peachy, which is like it's like a thicker uh, pasta. Like okay, think of like spaghetti, but like mm-hmm. thick, and it's like hand rolled with like a semolina and water dough. Yeah, and it's from Tuscany. And uh, my wife and I, we actually had it on our on our wedding night. We we got married in Italy, and um, um, that was one of the dishes. And yeah, it's just like really really good. Uh, I just love like the chew and uh, and like I really like these like thicker pastas. I know yeah. it's funny because it said tagliatelle, which is like a really thin pasta, mm-hmm. but it's like the tag, and then also yeah, I would say like peachy um, is really really good, even. There's so many cavatelli. Yeah, there's too many. <laughs> nice. But um, good. but yeah, uh, yeah, they're really nice. It's awesome, man. Well, it's good to hear on all that. Well, uh, if yeah. you want to share kind of uh, where people can find you on Instagram uh, for a wholesale site, if you want to share all that, I think that'd be a good time to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can find us at at Brooklyn Pasta Lab um on instagram we're pretty active on there we also have a youtube channel at brooklyn pasta lab uh and uh our website is brooklynpastalab.com and you'll see okay there's like a wholesale wholesale or nationwide shipping and uh yeah definitely it's just super simple fill out a simple form tell us about your restaurant and then um i'll get back to you (laughs) sounds good and i'll um i'll share all that in the description Obviously, go check out the cool. Instagram. It's super dope. I, I've been following along for quite a few, few. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Maybe a couple of years now, or maybe a year or so. It's been a, it's yeah, been yeah. a minute. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been cool to see you grow, man. Really, really impressed. Like, I think it's so awesome. Um, you know, someone who's yeah, kind of left you. restaurants and uh, did something different. It's very interesting to see. And I think, you know, Line Cook Thoughts being the name of the podcast, it's cool to see someone who yeah. kind of went from cook to business owner. So, kudos to you and congrats on the success. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cool. Really appreciate it. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, Michael. Yeah, you too. Thanks again for listening. That was the episode with Michael Peeney from Brooklyn Pasta Lab. Uh, be sure to go to linecookthoughts.com to check out the newsletter. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or Lab, Apple, please leave a review. And go to brooklynpastalab.com in the description of this episode to check out Michael's work, especially if you're a restaurant owner or worker in the New York City area and think you can use some of his pasta. Big thanks to Michael again. Thank you all. Hope you all have a great new year, and I'll see you on the next Line Cook Thoughts podcast.